There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 192. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. I'm I'm grateful to our tennis teams and softball team and ladies basketball teams for providing some much-needed dubs in the last week. How are you, man? Man, I... I want sports to be fun. I tweeted that out. <laughs> and I said in the, the Slack chat this weekend, the past four days, I guess three days, it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And there were two games on Monday. Man, that was a beating. It was rough. Um, it was. You go 0 and 3 in baseball over the weekend um, in Arlington. And then you lose your basketball game Monday night on the road against Oklahoma state. Just, it just wasn't a good sports weekend. No, just kept compounding. And, and I I know that we're going to talk about it more, but it did leave you a little down, especially after the week, the state of Texas had last week, you were really looking forward to, all right, things are thawing out. People are getting power again. Life is returning to normal. And then, um, yeah, no one's going to win a game for, for like the foreseeable future. We'll see. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the baseball series this past series or tournament or whatever you want to call it. The games in Arlington this weekend. Um, we'll go, we'll do a little bit of a, a game by game breakdown. Uh, again, I will just have to strongly encourage you to go listen to Dinger Derby. They haven't released yet. I don't think their weekend recap uh, Keith was able to be there in person for most probably the last two or three innings of Saturday night. Um, and then Sunday, Monday, I believe. And then we'll talk about basketball. I will commit to you faithful listener and Michael that I will keep my comments about refereeing to 30 <laughs> seconds, 30 seconds. I'm going to time you. I'm going to, I'm going to time you on that. I feel like I got most of it out of my system on Twitter last night. So I'm probably going to be able to keep mine down to a minimum too, but let's don't include this part. Now, um, (laughs) the clock hasn't started yet. This is pregame warmups. We're, we're out here trying to dunk and, and we're not quite getting it. The, The refs are about to come out. We can't touch the rim, but let me just, let me tell you where I'm at because one, um, Like I, I hate, I hate when officials take over a game, right? I hate when they, they affect a game, when they change the outcome of the game. 
And I know a lot of people are like, you, you, you know, you stop, stop blaming the refs. Like, you know, good teams don't let, let, let referees take over the game. But like games like Monday, you can't separate the way that Texas tech performed and officiating. So like, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> until we get to basketball that was pretty good that was that was about 30 second intro to your 30 second <laughs> 30 seconds uh, of follow-up your, your um, self-rebuttal also so yeah okay um i had a lot of those thoughts on twitter last night on on, on the podcast account um i also engaged I, I i replied to a a college baseball podcast account on twitter um wasn't dogging the big 12 uh, in, in, S- in, in the SEC when they, when uh, the, the SEC went eight and one this weekend. Um, but they, 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 they post a neutral question and said, what are your thoughts about this? And I replied with a question mark, have you that I said, essentially, maybe it had to do with the, the Texas teams losing a week of practice the final week of practice going into um, the weekend because of the storms. You would not believe the indignation of the Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State baseball fans that came out and said, uh, we got the same weather you did. But did the dummy. And I was like, yeah, uh, uh, I'm just going to crawl back in my hole because you, you just can't talk to those people. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you a little bit more. Um, depth on, on that conversation. But if you want to follow us, the show on Twitter, um, it's obviously at 23 personnel. We say this every week, Spencer at punt suck, Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Um, you can find us on Instagram. We're starting to post little, uh, snippets of the podcast on in video form, not of us talking, but of just the waveform. you can, you can catch a little bit of it on Instagram. So you can follow the account 23 personnel podcast. Um, and then pick up a 23 personal t-shirt or hoodie at Teespring. Um, but Michael, you, you, I know we introduced this last week, but we're, we're, we're super excited about one of our newest sponsors, eBay sneakers. I'm not a, um, I'm not a sneakerhead just yet, but it's, it's a, it's a world that's fascinating to me. It's growing on me. It's growing. It, there's a possibility there. There's, there's room to grow. But if you're like us and you're looking to, to maybe dip your toes in that world. Yeah. Need to, I need to, to let you know, you need to check out eBay sneakers from rare dead stock to the latest release. You can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you. So you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for those that are selling sneakers, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for, guess what? More sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. 
Also, you can log on to Bet Online, place a wager. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, sad, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Speaking of full swing, so is college baseball. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything. You can imagine BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Please use promo code armchair at checkout. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, Mike, let's jump into baseball. I am ready. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. So one of my favorite stories I heard recently um, about all that, especially uh, Kurt Wilson and that super regional home run he hit against Oklahoma State, is that, um, I don't know if it was during fall or spring practice this year, um, guys in the dugouts and or the the bullpen, whenever he comes up and, and practice or, or um and batting practice and he, he hits a home run, they'll get up and yell, not just a pop fly. <laughs> Which I love. It's great. It's a nice little bit of knowledge to have. Yeah, that's a it's a deep reference, but I'm here for it. Um, so as we mentioned, Tech Tech Baseball baseball had a rough opening weekend. All excited for it. 
take on three top 10 teams and you go 0 and 3. Um, a little surprised. Um, but then you look at how it happened and at least I do. Uh, I, I, I take some comfort in that these teams didn't outplay you and beat you. You gave them ample opportunity to beat you. And as good teams do, they took advantage of it. Um, you yes. had no, no chance to make mistakes against these teams. No, and and it's one of those things where like I, I mentioned it, uh, you know, going in, you know, not having your normal week of practice, whatever that would have looked like, or whatever your practice did look like, with the weather, um, you looked just a little bit rusty. Uh, Tadlock said in one of the post game conference uh, press conferences that you know he gave credit to the other teams for um, preparing, keeping their team prepared, and 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 getting ready for games through, through all that. Uh, and he said he didn't do as good of a job as he had hoped. Um, but when you look at it by my tally, you had your pitching staff gave up 21 total walks and at least 10 wild pitches and or passed balls. So that is at least 31 free base runners or bases to your opponents. You also had at least five errors on the weekend. So it was sloppy all the way around. Um, I guess let's start with, uh, with Saturday night, your first game versus Arkansas. Patrick Monteverdi got the start. Dude was nails. First time starter for you, Texas tech. Um, he transferred in and went four innings, Gave up only one hit, no runs, two walks, five Ks. That is how you want to start. You want to set the tone. Your Friday night guy um, against a top ten team. But from in there, his first start, yeah, in his first start. From there, though, the wheels fell off. Um, Brandon Birdsell, Levi Wells, Ryan Sublet, Hayde Key, Andrew Devine, and Derek Bridges all came in in relief to cover five innings. That's two, four, six pitchers in, in five innings. Those six pitchers gave up 13 runs and one, five, 10 hits, 10 hits, Yikes. 13 runs. Ryan Sublet and, and Andrew Devine, uh, um, regular names that your names you should be familiar with. because they, they played for Texas tech before they combined for two and two thirds innings pitched between them. They gave up eight hits, nine runs, three walks, four K's four strikeouts. You gave Arkansas, you give 11 total walks Saturday night, 11, Lone bright one. What did you say? 21 for the entire weekend, 11 of them the first night. Yeah. So more than half your first night. Um, and then, I mean, you obviously, you then averaged five more walks a game, the other two, which is still astronomically high. Five walks a game is way too high. 11 good gravy. It's like Birdsell, Wells, sublet key divine bridges just were not ready. Um, I did want to ask you, do you think Monteverdi 
would have been able to stay in longer was if this was later in the season. Are they just really, really keeping an eye on pitch counts? Because just four innings pitched, it didn't seem like he was letting up at all. Uh, or, you know, didn't look like it was time to take him out. It was a preemptive substitution. But do you think that would have he could have at least pitched another inning. Yeah. So we, we'd heard and we thought this was the the case going into opening weekend. Uh, I mean, you don't typically have competition of this caliber. Um, so going to the bullpen early, not usually a problem. We knew that Tim Tadlock wanted to limit pitch counts for starters. Um, Monteverdi was pulled after the fourth inning. I mean, his fourth inning was, um, two ground balls and a fly ball. Like it was one, two, three inning. There were no hits. There were no walks, nothing in that inning that would have indicated. Mm, I don't like where this is going. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Let's, let's try somebody else. Yeah. The third inning, um, was, is a strikeout, strikeout, single walk fielder's choice. But then he came back, like I said, with it, with a one, two, three inning in the fourth, second inning, Strikeout, strikeout, walk, ground ball, start of the game, fly ball, strikeout, fly ball. So like he gave up just the one hit. Um, and I think he was probably mid sixties on his pitch count. So you, you probably could have seen him go um, into the fifth. Um, but then Bertzel comes in, he goes two thirds of an inning, uh, strikeout, walk, single walk, strikeout, walk with the bases loaded. So that, that's an RBI walk there and a fielder's Ooh. choice. But the fielder's choice was accredited to Levi Wells because Birdsell came out after he walked in that run. So that's a very long two thirds of an inning for Birdsell. Yeah, he faced <laughs> a lot happened. He faced six batters Yeesh. and recorded two outs. Um, Levi Wells faces three batters and only records one out. So he gets the fielder's choice to end the fifth hits the first batter. He fight, he sees in the sixth walks. The second batter he sees, um, walks the fourth batter he sees, excuse me. And then he gets pulled. So the one out he records is to end the fifth that he puts three guys on. He loads the bases for sublet to come in. Sublet starts off strong. He gets the, the first guy to strike out. Then he gives up a two-run double. Then a sacrifice fly and a strikeout. Uh, but then Sublet really struggled in the seventh, uh, where he gave up three runs. Um, one, two, three hits. Walk. I mean, it, it was just it was rough. Yeah. Bryce, Which is not, you know, I mean, I, I know that it's it's gonna get better, but the, the bullpen was what we thought and hoped would be one of the stronger parts of this team. I know it was last year. Mm -hmm. The, the short bit we got to watch. Yeah. You just didn't see a strong performance from your bullpen on Saturday. Sunday's a different story, but before we get there, lone bright spot on offense, um, Braxton Fulford hits a three run home run in the seventh which is your team's first home run of the year. I think he only hit three or four last year and then starts the season off. Um, taking advantage. So he, he's up to bat 
with two guys on base that both reached via via the walk um, off of one of their relievers. So he's the first batter a reliever sees and he cranks a home run. Um, so that was good. Saturday though, not Saturday. I, I, I keep saying Saturday when I mean Sunday because the, the, the three games were pushed back a day. <laughs> yeah. Your second game, Saturday, Sunday. I did it again. Micah Dallas starts um, a little bit shaky. <laughs> he goes two and two thirds innings, only gives up three hits, five runs though, two of which are earned two walks, two Ks. Um, so he just didn't like there, there were a lot of error. There's a, there was two walks fielder's choice hit by pitch home run, two errors. Both of those errors in that, that, that put those runners on in the third ended up coming around to score. Um, I mean that, that third, that third inning was a disaster. It started off with a fly ball to left hit by pitch ground ball out. So three batters in, you've got one man on base, two outs. You got a guy in first two outs. And then it goes home run error, single error, single. From that home run, they scored two, three, four, five runs. Like every one of those batters that I, I just mentioned came around to score. And D- disaster. For those of you who remember the score, that was it. Ole Miss only scored five runs and they were all in the third inning. Right. Um, then Brandon Gurton comes in to relief and he did phenomenal. Like if, if this is your first guy off the bench or like if this is your long reliever, this is the kind of performance you want to see. Um, his first appearance for the red Raiders, he goes three and a third inning. So he goes longer than the starter only gives up two hits, no runs, one walk, four K's. Dang. It's efficient. You like, like that. Um, offense, Nate Romblast comes on. There it is. Crushes a home run. Um, after a Jace Young walk in the second, Dylan Noisy also home run homered in this game. Um, and then your ninth inning rally here starts off Gosh. slowly, right? So R- Romback is the first up to, to bat in the ninth. He strikes out Fulford who comes in uh, and he had Fulford was a, um, he came on to pinch hit in the seventh in place of Max Marshak. Um, Fulford draws the walk. Kurt Wilson strikes out. So you've got one guy on two guys out. And then you get Drew Baker walks. You got two guys on Cal Conley hits a single and scores a run. So that, that pulls you within one run at that point. Cause you, like I said, the Nate Romback hit the home run in the second to score two runs. Dylan Noisy hit their home run in the sixth to score a run going into the ninth. You were down five, three. Cal Conley gets you that two out hit to get you within five, four. Then Dylan Noisy walks to load the bases, two outs, bases loaded. And then Easton Morrell gives a ball, a ride deep, deep left field, but it's caught to end the game. That was a crazy sequence. I've yet to get to watch this team play because I did not sign up for the flow baseball. I was going to ask you if you did, but I listened to quite a bit of this game. Uh, I did not get much of the first game in, but I especially listened to the, you know, the last half of the ninth inning 
And it was insane because I think every guy that came up to bat after two outs had a full count at some point. Mm. So the tension was just incredible. And and I, I'm thinking when Noisy walked, it was it was on that it was on a full count. I mean, can, can you imagine being down by one run, having what two guys on base at the time? Two guys on base, one in scoring position over there at second. Yeah, two outs, and you're down by one, and you and have, have the, the cojones to take the, a pitch. The mentality to be like, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, I'm not swinging at that. That's a ball. And you take a pitch, and you take a base. I just remember listening to that, thinking that was pretty incredible. <laughs> and then I would have swung. I would have yeah. missed, but I would have swung. And then Easton Morrell, oh, he put a drive into it, but just short. Um, Monday's game, your final game of the season, you lose 11-5 to five to Mississippi State. And that 11 to five is disgusting. But then you think like going into that ninth inning, it was a six to five game. Yeah. You needed to hold them and then score one run. Yeah. And like you said, it was just a, it's a narrow, when when you're playing teams that are, are this good, it's a narrow margin. You've got to be playing your best to beat teams like this because otherwise they are just going to, take complete advantage of it. Like Ole Miss, you know, getting that five run inning. Well, Hey, in all, the third, all three teams scored, a, had a five run inning against you. <laughs> Not great, Bob. It's hard to come back from two that. of them had it in the ninth, Arkansas and Mississippi state both had their five run innings in the ninth. Arkansas had a four and a three run innings back to back. They put up eight runs in three innings. Hmm. Um, Mississippi state puts up five runs in the ninth. Uh, Mason Montgomery, your starter, he goes four innings, three hits, one run, two walks, two gays. It's a great start. Uh, then you see Chase Hampton come in. He gives up four runs and two innings. Okay, you you wish you you know wouldn't, but Jamie hit three runs and two innings and a third. Chase Webster, two runs and just one third of an inning. Derek Bridges comes in for his second appearance on the year. One run on one third of an inning. Give it five runs in the ninth in this game. Um, no, sorry. That, that's for the, the weekend. So yeah, you, you, you can't give up five run spots to teams. That's almost like giving up a 15 0 run. Oh, don't get me started, man. <laughs> so I want to talk about, just, just go back a little bit and talk about um, our discussion last week. We were talking about the starters uh, and the projections here and want to say that our guys over at Dinger Derby, Almost, almost nailed it. Um, so Braxton Fulford started a catcher for you. Not, no surprise. Cole Stillwell, your first baseman. Jace Young, your second baseman. The weirdness came at Kurt Wilson at shortstop and Cal Conley at third. They started that way in the first two games. And that only lasted halfway through the second game and they switched. And then Parker Kelly came on to start the third base in the third game. So. My idea was that you'd see Fulford, Stillwell, Jace Young at catcher one, two, Conley at short, Parker Kelly at third. You got that on Monday, but your your first two games were that way. Uh, Drew Baker started every game in left field, I believe. Hold on. Let me say, let me say that. Let me check. Yeah. Um, Dylan Noisy started every game at center field. Right field, you had a couple of guys um, spend some time there. Easton Morrell 
was out there um, for game number one. Yep. Um, Braden Runyon was your DH that night. And then in game number two, uh, Morell was your DH and Baker was in right field. Marshawk was in left to start that game. And then Monday, Morell was back in right. Baker is in the left. Stillwell was your DH. Romback was at first. Fulford at, at catcher. Parker Kelly at third. That's Stillwell, Romback, Fulford. That's some powerful bats. It is. It truly is. But you, you can't play all three of them every game because you need that rotation between the th- there's that like Venn diagram of, of who plays catcher, who plays first and who, who can DH. Um, and you just can't play all three of them every day because <laughs> you need them to rotate. Um, so yeah, Kurt Wilson lasted uh, at shortstop um, 14 innings, basically. Uh, Rombach started a game at catcher. Marshawk started a game at left. Parker Kelly started a game at third. Um, upcoming schedule. You've got, um, Houston Baptist coming to town this weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, uh, Friday game did get moved up to 2 PM. They they're expecting some cold, potentially wet weather Friday. Um, and then you get Texas Southern early next week, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Wednesday night, you should be, uh, back to five and three. Yeah, a little bit of retooling there just in time for the Shriners Hospital for Children's College Classic, which will be this following weekend, March 5th, 6th, and 7th at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Um, Those three games against Texas State, Sam Houston, and A&M Corpus Christi, because Texas A&M backed out, uh, will be on AT&T Sportsnet Southwest, which I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) What channel is that? Um, I don't know if that's. Is that my, my I know that the only place you can get Fox Sports Southwest now is on AT and T something. So could be related to that. But the good news is, for those of you who are listening, you're probably already ESPN Plus fans. So the five home games that Spencer just mentioned, the three against Houston Baptist and the two against Texas Southern, will all be on Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. Holla! So, love it. So I am looking forward to getting to watch this team for the first time. And I, I never actually brought it back. Did you get flow live baseball no, this weekend, no. Spencer? Uh, so we went out Saturday night to celebrate my wife's birthday. So I was not gonna be able to watch m- much of that game. Although because of the delay, I think by the time we got back to the car, they had like in the second inning. So we, we, we could have watched it, but that game went to like, 1230 or something. Yeah, it was past midnight. That's that's a long time. Um, the only game I probably could have watched start to finish would have been Sunday afternoon. Because then I was back at work Monday and I wouldn't have been able to watch it because it started at 11. It would have been 11 to 3 yeah. or whatever. And that's just that's a stretch that I just couldn't pull. So, no, I, I didn't I didn't um, I didn't cop that uh, that sub the subby. <laughs> Whatever they call it. I don't know, man. The sublet. Um, I'm just going to save my money for my ESPN plus watch baseball and basketball games there. So there you go. Hey, speaking of basketball, 
Um, no, that's not next. Football's next. <laughs> yeah, we actually um, have some football news to talk about this week. We do, but we're, I guess we're not quite done with, with baseball just yet. Uh, I, I didn't mention it's possible the, the Big 12 teams, because we don't have baseball-specific indoor facilities that they were just lacking in, in prep time going in, because um, I think Texas and TCU both, I mean... Texas go own three as well. Cause I, I think, I think that's the only game the sec lost. Cause I know, I know TCU won one game, but if that's the only game they lost, they, yeah. Anyways. So Texas and Texas tech both go own three TC goes one and two this weekend. Um, I did have some of those sec baseball fans have like, well, if you guys were really committed to baseball, you'd have an indoor facility. I was like, yeah, you know what? I guess we don't care because, you know, (laughs) we, we, we get uh, this kind of record breaking weather events that shut down entire States for days on end enough that we need to have an indoor facility to practice baseball throughout. So yeah, that's on us. That's totally on us, man. We 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 should have been prepared for that. We're just not spending enough money on our baseball team. The other thing we wanted to to reach back on, I guess, was uh, the point that Keith brought up was that starting pitchers would be limited to pitch counts, which I think we saw. Uh, Monteverdi, I think, is the one that the pitcher that went the longest, uh, and he only went four innings. And he was one you you probably could have seen stretch out to five, maybe even six innings. Yeah, I could see that. Although Tadlock is, I don't know if it's because he just has the depth or he's just supremely cautious with starter arms or supremely confident in bullpen arms. You don't typically see a tadlock starter go more than five innings. No, it doesn't happen very often. And I do, it's probably a combination of both. I think particularly this weekend, he wanted to get his bullpen guys just in the game and get him some reps, but wow, that did not pay off in a couple of places. But yeah, I think, I mean, looking into this week, like you said, hopefully going to be five and three before they head back to Houston in all reality should be. Um, I don't want to say handily cause weird things can happen, but I'd still would expect a, a five and O oh run coming up this week. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong to expect that either. When you, you look at the teams that are coming in, you're starting pitchers, how, you know, if Monteverdi doesn't go five innings in like one, two hits, <laughs> uh, I'm maybe a little disappointed there on Friday. <laughs> yeah. We might be having a little bit s- sad conversation. Yeah. We'll talk about how the, the sky is falling. Um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> which I don't think either of us are saying it's no, it's not the end of the world here. And the other no. thing is like, we, it's good to get that kind of thing, that learning experience out of the way. Uh, you got to, you got to play in a big, big league ballpark. Uh, you probably had some wide eyes there on the team. Like, just soaking in the experience. Um, and then you, you, you kind of know what to expect going into May and June. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys were, we're kind of tools, uh, your D bags on Twitter. It's fine. I don't, have to, I don't have to deal with you until June. So I'll see you later. <laughs> Just log off. You'll be fine. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm still learning how to do. All right, Michael, let's talk some football. All right. Oh, 
shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's going to have his hand. Red Raider. Unbelievable. All right, so big news come came out Monday afternoon. Oregon um, grad transfer starting quarterback Tyler Shuck announces his intentions to transfer to Texas Tech. Yes, he uh, he entered the portal, I believe, about ten days earlier, and then found a home in Lubbock, as most of us who've, you know, had the chance to live in Eugene or Lubbock. We've, we've all picked Lubbock. can totally understand that. But I, I watched, um, you you know, I did a lot of research on Mr. Shuck today, spelled S H O U G H, but pronounced Shuck and, and friend of the show, Rob bro went into it to say that it is an Americanized spelling of a name that originated in Bavaria. And he said the first confirmed Shuck in America was William Shuck, who came to Virginia in 1707. <laughs> and, and then he goes on to instill a further vote of confidence that says, at least that's what the internet told me. Man, you So can't, take that with a grain of salt. You can't doubt what the internet tells you. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Tyler Shuck started all seven games for Oregon last season, led them to a four and three record, a conference title, and unfortunately, a bowl game loss to Iowa State. So maybe he'll fit right in here. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he's used to lo- losing to Iowa State, he'll be fine. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. He, I think he started off really hot and and kind of cooled off towards the end of the season. He actually traded playing time with another QB who whose name is escaping me right now. Sorry. Uh, in the in the Pac-12 championship game and in the bowl game, so he wasn't given the complete reins of the offense in either of those two games. But I did watch a highlight video today. And of course it was a highlight video. So there were obviously no interceptions on the video. So I don't know how those throws looked, but I will say that I'm very impressed with his mobility. He was able to pick up huge chunks of yardage. Uh, He'd peel off 20 or 30 yards, obviously not every other play or something, but definitely a threat on his feet enough to, to keep defenses honest. Uh, I really enjoyed just his quickness. He's, he's very quick with his dropbacks, pretty quick with his reads, um, can sense pressure, still can deliver a good ball under pressure. Um, you know, the only kind of complaint I had was at least in the first couple games on the highlights when he was throwing the deep ball, it seemed like the receivers had to s- slow their stride a little bit kind of adjust to him a little more than you'd like to see because a good DB can take advantage of that. Uh, But the later on in the season, at least later on in the highlight video, which was all in order, he was hitting guys in stride a lot more. So it, I was pretty impressed with him and yeah, the, the, he was heralded out of high school and everything, all that kind of stuff. The little bit I did see of him live this year. um, I was actually really impressed. I was like, he's pretty good Oregon, Oregon quarterback out there. Uh, I did not see when he entered the the portal, so I didn't even know he was a possibility. I saw the news come through. I was sitting at karate with Grayson. I was like, 
<laughs> who? What? Who's this? He's and then like, I went because at first I thought, oh, okay, yeah, you know, the, a guy that was a backup to somebody. To somebody like, no, this guy played. He played the majority of the year. He was their starting. Well, oh, what? Well, so this is interesting. We don't we don't have any any word just yet of like why he would why he left Oregon. At least I, I haven't heard anything. Uh, where you go from a starting uh, starter, you know, one year uh, to then transferring. Um, he did redshirt one year and then played last year. I believe he's got three years of eligibility left as a grad transfer, which is ridiculous. Dude's going to end up leaving here if he stays all three years with multiple master's degrees. Um, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll be eligible immediately. Like we don't even have to worry about that because he is a grad transfer. You mentioned his high school recruiting uh, a little bit. And I kind of want to tie this back to everybody's favorite incoming freshman quarterback, Baron Morton. Tyler Shuck was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school just a couple of years ago. Um, the number seven nationally rated pro style quarterback. Mm. Uh, and his recruiting ranking was like 93 something. Right. And everybody's like, well, what's that mean for Baron Morton? And like, they're all, they're all caping up for Baron Morton. I was like, guys, like, Let's, let's think about this for a second. Shuck has legit power five experience. Like he started at one of the best programs on the, on the West coast. Um, he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school. Oh, and guess what? He was more higher, more highly rated than Baron Morton was. Oh, that's going to be a thorn in some people's sides. Well, and that's that just kind of shows how unrealistic we've talked about this before uh, the odds on majority favorite to take the first snap next year until this week was Henry Columbia. I, I am, I have no doubt that Baron Morton's a good player. He's probably a good kid and he's going to be a good player for tech if, if he's still here and I hope he stays and I hope he grows in the system and Sonny Cumbie's able to build something and, we win more than four games and all that crap. But anyway, this is just kind of where people are with Morton. I think they're putting way too much on him, as I've said before, thinking that he should be starting right out the gate. That's not realistic. That's not ideal. But this kid is coming in, and I think he has surpassed. He's QB1 just before he even gets to Preston Smith. I, I mean, trying to temper my expectations i said the quarterback room just got a hell of a lot more competitive this summer agree spring summer fall it's hard for me not to be like just pencil him in right now as a starter come august 31st or whatever it's going to be um because in 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 his one year at oregon you saw that he can outperform anybody that you've seen on campus at texas tech that means he just can outperform Columbia because you haven't seen McIver. You haven't seen Donovan Smith. You certainly haven't seen Baron Morton. Um, like if, if, if I was going to be worried about a guy now, it would be Donovan Smith because without Shuck, I thought it was going to be a pretty good competition between Smith, who I would have probably liked to have seen at least given a shot and Columbia who had the experience. Um, now it feels like it's going to be maybe a battle between Shuck and the field. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Um, and and I'm 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 just 
I'm presuming here because I'm looking at, at his at his stats and that he he did come from a power five program and did perform and was was really good. Um but like there are more there's more than a few people that are concerned what this means for Baron Morton's future at Texas Tech. I was like, guys, okay, here's the thing. If you end up losing Baron Morton because of this, you're trading out one year of eligibility because you get Shuck for three and you'd get Morton for four. But here's the thing. Shuck comes from a big high school program, big time competition out there in uh, Chandler, which I think is outside of Scottsdale Phoenix area, I believe. Um, I don't know my Arizona geography. Me neither. But like he was the number one player coming out of Arizona. He was number seven rated quarterback in his position. Um, and he has legit college experience, not, not just playing the game, but preparing, going through off seasons, strength and conditioning. Like he's put on 40 pounds from, from high school from, from his high school, um, recruiting profile. And then you look at like the work that you want to have put in before you can count on a quarterback has already been done with Shuck that we'd have to wait for Morton. Like this feels like you're more set up to win now than developing Morton who may give you an extra year if he were to stay the whole time. So it's like, I'm ready to win now. So, (laughs) well, and I think Wells knows that he has to, I think that's his, that's his MO right now is to try to win right now or, you know, be looking for a job. And that's kind of where things stand. This gives him his best chance. I don't also don't want to put too much on Shuck either thinking that, Oh, this fixes it. This fixes everything. It There's fix so nothing, many new pieces. You know, Cumbie's offense is going to be hopefully different, considerably different. Uh, I, I'm still unsure about the receiver position. You know, we've, we've, we've lost some pretty key guys and we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. The offensive line position. Yeah, I mean, the only kind of solid place is running back position and maybe quarterback. Now we'll see. Yeah. You, that's, you, you look at the team That's last year, man. sorry, you look at the team last year and you say like of places to get better, you still need offensive linemen. Um, and it may not matter that much who's playing quarterback if the offensive line is straight trash again. And it may not matter if your defensive line has holes and it undersized and all that kind of stuff. Or if you're you know rotating in a bunch of scrubs at defensive back or whatever excuse you have that Shuck can't address himself. Um, I just... I, I, I think it's a, it's a net positive for Texas tech. You get a better quarterback that, that, that can help you be more competitive day one. Um, so that's where I'm at. I like the, the commitment. I'm excited for it. We'll, we'll see how it goes this spring. Um, how the competition kind of shakes out. So, yeah. So before we get on to basketball bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. I mean, unless you're looking at the, that D2 spring stuff, but the NBA, college <laughs> basketball, and NHL are in full swing. But online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm here to remind you that from rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking, looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal and for the sneaker sellers out there hey ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over a hundred dollars making it free to sell or flip your collection so it's not just for buyers it's for sellers too with other sites taking as much as 25 percent, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for well you know maybe some more sneakers so check out ebay.com slash sneakers today all right michael with that um 
I say let's jump into some basketball. Roll it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. So before, I'm, let's just start with the schedule updates because that came out latest. That came out this afternoon. Um, the Big 12 has gone around, evaluated, who knows how, uh, and added, rescheduled, replaced games on everybody's schedule. Uh, Texas Tech gets three of their four missing games added back. So Texas Tech will finish the season with 17 conference games, assuming there's no more interruptions. Um, starting this weekend, Saturday, Texas comes to town. You get, you get the, a nice little home stretch here. Saturday, you host Texas at 11 a.m. on CBS. Then you get uh, your one TCU game back. They are coming on Tuesday, March 2nd, for a 6 p.m. tip. And then Iowa State is coming to town Thursday for a 6 p.m. tip. Both those games, Tuesday and Thursday versus TCU and Iowa State, will be on ESPN+. And then you get your final game of the year, Texas Tech on the road at Baylor, 3 p.m. Sunday the 7th on ESPN. So the one game you lose is the road game to TCU. Record-wise, you're like, man, I kind of want that game, but like... (laughs) Right. If that's the one game you're going to lose, I'm okay. This, this has really kind of changed my entire mood before we recorded because I was really down coming into this recording think, thinking that Tech is going to finish on an 0-4 skid because I, f- I, had, I don't have much confidence in the team that played the last two games beating Texas even at home. So I was already thinking, oh great, it's going to be an 0-4 skid. Haven't won a game since February 6th when you played the worst team in the conference and struggled with them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, didn't really put the pedal down to the last, what five or 10 minutes of that one. So this gives me a lot more hope. And I think it gives me even more hope this weekend against UT. I I feel better about it because I I don't know what it was. We'll probably, I know we're going to get more into specific games, but I mentioned it in the Slack chat today. I can't put my finger on it. I feel like these guys have, they're given every ounce of effort they have. I'm not doubting that one bit, but I think there's, it just feels like it, they're burnt out. 
and maybe this will kind of stoke it a little bit. They'll get to stay home for a while. Um, they'll get to maybe have a routine. I just, I just feel like they've probably been so isolated and I know every team's done this, but they just haven't been the same. It just, they just haven't seemed the same on the court, despite that I'm not questioning their effort at all. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but man, this gives me some hope and some optimism. So hopefully it'll affect the players and the coaches as well to know that they get a few of these games back and they get a chance to, um, you know, get some more wins before selection Sunday. Yeah. And and I'm with you. The, the team looks off a little bit. Uh, and I wouldn't say that they're, they've given up or anything. Um, you, you have some frustrating games, uh, and you, especially lately, some games where you feel like you didn't play very well. Um, but yeah, like we, we said it for, for a while. I was like, I mean, I wish we had that TCU and Iowa state games on our schedule and we do now. Um, so I, I, I like that Baylor, um, as of right now has played nine conference games and I think they will finish the season playing 14. Uh, that sounds right. I think they're Oklahoma, playing Oklahoma. They're maybe? playing tonight and then they've, they're playing three additional games. Uh, Oklahoma may, may be the only team in the conference that ends up playing all 18 games. Wow. I yeah. think, I think that's what I saw. Um, cause West, West Virginia, uh, is not going to play Baylor twice. That, that, that was one of the games that got axed from that schedule. Um, and, and what we saw, what we saw coming out, I guess it was Tuesday morning from Matt Norlander saying that one of the Baylor West Virginia games was likely to be cut postponed or canceled completely with this new schedule coming out, which it ended up being cut. Um, and they had some kind of BS reasoning about like the health of the players, not wanting to, to task them too much, tax them too much and have them play so many games, so many days. It's like, so that, that would have been when Baylor played four games in eight days. Where was this outcry when Texas tech was going to play five games in 10 days? Yeah, or Crickets. four games in seven or eight, or uh, yeah, yeah there was it, it was nothing. all that stretch. It was crazy. There was nothing. Which you 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 end up losing um, those games from the schedule. Uh, there was one COVID related cancellation because of somebody else, and then two with the weather. Um, but yeah, like uh, that one. Uh, that's ridiculous. Two, they like if you're trying to to protect teams, like let's just 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 be. Like, they're not going to do it, but just be transparent um well and maybe cancel the tournament because you know the whole point of this they they push back the tournament a little bit to give some leeway and so now tech's going to play baylor on sunday which is it's a sunday game which is odd um they're going to play them on a sunday and then wednesday turn around and be in kansas city to start the the Phillips 66 big 12 championship. So I'm sure it's just, there's money involved. They didn't get to have it last year. They're bound to determine to have the damn thing this year. I really think it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. Right. And, and if you look at the, the way the conference standings will shake out and how many teams are expected to make the tournament, like you're looking at what the eight seed needing to win the tournament to, to, to make it to the, the NCAA tournament because Texas tech is probably going to be the seventh seed, which is ridiculous. So that that's where you're at right now. <laughs> right. Um, 
Oklahoma State, depending on how their appeal goes, won't make it. But like everybody else is going to be probably in it. And then when you look at like the eight, nine, ten seeds, what's that? Um, TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State. Yep, they're not built to go on a big run that you would need to from, you know, a not one or two seed to win this kind of tournament. So it's like playing the tournament really gets you nothing in terms of the conference because the people, the teams that may win will win this tournament are already going to be going to the NCAA tournament. So you're not changing who is your automatic qualifier. Yeah. I mean, the only way that could work out is if some crazy thing happened and TC or Kansas state won it. But I mean, Iowa state's 0 and 12 in the big 12 or I mean, I'm sorry, 0 and 14 in the big 12 Kansas State's three and thirteen. TCU's four and eight. It's just not likely. No. So yeah, I mean you're right. The top seven teams, with you know not including Oklahoma State due to sanctions, uh, are headed to the tournament unless crazy things happen. Anyway. Okay. So speaking of crazy things happen, do you want to talk about these last two games briefly, sort of, quickly, maybe? <laughs> I'm having, a, I'm actually having a hard time remembering the game on Saturday when you played Kansas. Um, Me too. I felt really down about that one. I don't know why. <laughs> it just felt like that tech was always in a hole and they were just never going to be able to dig out. And I was not an optimistic fan that day and I have no reason for it. You know, tech shot 19 free throws to their 12. I mean, they shot 42%. Kansas shot 41 Tech shot 33 from three. Kansas shot 31. I mean, they Tech played well enough to win. It just didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sure if I go back in the Twitter feed, I'll probably have some refs in Lawrence takes <laughs> that now hold no water to what happened Monday night. But yeah, it, it's one of those games where like, it was kind of close, but it never really felt all that close. At least to me, you end up losing by six, 67, 61. You lead and never, like, never were ahead. You trailed all game, never had a lead. Yeah. And that's one of those things where like statistically you led in all these categories. Um, I mean, they, they shot better free throw percent, but they took fewer shots. They had one more rebound than you did. Um, they committed four more fouls than you did. You committed three more turnovers. So like everything was really close. And I guess you, you can look at this and, and see a six point game. Like, well, yeah, that, that kind of holds up. This is, a, this is a close game, but it didn't ever really feel that way. Um, no, it, it felt insurmountable. Um, you know, the entire time tech went into halftime with a six point deficit. They left Lawrence with a six point deficit. They each team scored 36 points in the second half. McCormick. That's the big game changer for me was he was lights out. Tech had no answer for him. He was just too big, too strong. I mean, Santo Silva and Tyreek were, were doing the best they could, but I mean, he was seven for 10 on the day. I think he was He's, five for five going into half. Uh, I think I was going to say, I think he started seven for seven. Oh man. Okay. He yeah. He, he may have been, yeah, he, he was seven for 10, three for three from uh free throws, eight boards, 17 points, 35 minutes. I mean, he, 
he took care of business, man. It was, it was really fun to watch him. <laughs> I mean, I hated, I hated it at the same time, but, uh, he was one of those players that I just couldn't take my eyes off while he was out on the court just cause he commanded the lane and he was getting buckets, man. So I, that was, I think uh, an obvious hindsight 2020 kind of deal. If tech was able to c- control him and manage him a little bit, and if he just wouldn't have been so, so stinking hot for the first seven shots, uh, it may not have felt as insurmountable as it was. You know, it was another day where McClung struggled four of 13 uh, as we've seen. And as we saw in Stillwater, if McClung struggling, the offense struggles uh, very, you've got to have like three guys step up to replace McClung and it's not going to be Edwards. Uh, I don't know where Edwards is gone. Yeah. It's going to be a combination of McCuller, um, you know, Shannon Shannon and Santos Silva some days, depending uh, PV some days. Uh, he scored 10 but, against Kansas. That's probably, I think that that's, that's a season high for him. It could be. I mean, it's up there and, but yeah, Edwards shot four times. He made one, three. Um, that was it. He's, he's played well defensively, especially against Oklahoma state had either he had some steals or he had some deflections that led to steals and turnovers that he played Cunningham is about as well as anybody could limited fouls. I think he's really valuable on the defensive side of the court, but offensively it's he's really taken himself out of the game. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's an Edwards thing or if that's a beard thing, but like I heard that it was discussed on the radio today uh, on average, he's taking two fewer shots per game this year than he has at any time in his career at Texas tech. Um, and yeah, Saturday against Kansas, 31 minutes, four shots. And one of those was a three quarter court heave at the end of the first half. So he really only took three shots. Yeah. Two of them were threes. It's a mystery. As my daughter would say, my four year old It's mystery. Yeah. He had two rebounds, two assists, one turnover, one block, one steal. Yeah, I'm not discounting what he was. I mean, he he played well defensively because I I started paying more attention to him defensively because I thought, well, I've got to see what he's, you know, why he's still out there. (laughs) There's got to be a reason why he's still playing and why he's even starting at this point. Um, And that's that's got to be it is just defensively. Tech was, you know, the last two games, too, I think it was against Kansas as well. Tech has really struggled blocking people out. Um, I've noticed that when the offense is able to move the ball and Tech has to rotate to try to cover these guys, then they get a, an open shot off, or even if it's not an open shot, they have the they have not been able to find somebody to block out or they're not looking or they're too busy trying to cover the rotation on defense. That's really hurt to see that, um, especially on offensive boards. When you know one guy crashes in from the three-point line and gets a rebound, I know that happened at the end of uh, the Kansas game, I believe. And it, anyway, it just just one of those things that you notice when things aren't going right. You start noticing more things. Uh, if if Tech had won all these games, I probably wouldn't be talking anything about blocking out right now. I wouldn't be talking about players who like to pick up their dribble thirty-five feet from the basket and then force a player to run to them so that they can get the ball to them and 
Yeah. You know, now there's 14 seconds on the shot clock. (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, it just, just a rough stretch just kind of felt blase to use a fancy word. And, um, kind of the same thing happened against Oklahoma state. No real answer for Boone. He, you know, he played well, six or 10 big guy, 18 points, six of 10 free throws, um, consistently 60%, just everywhere. Seven, seven boards. I, I'm just not seeing tech have an answer against the big guys. And that's been something we've been worried about since, Chewa left. I was talking with Dan earlier today. I mean, if Chewa was still here, at least he could kind of take up some space and maybe feel like you're getting some stuff done. But and then Beard would not will not play Tyreek Smith and uh, Santos Silva in the same lineup. I'm I think that could help a little bit, or at least throw somebody off. But yeah, I was gonna say like it would. Tyreek Smith is just he just. He's not there offensively. I agree. But then if you take off Edwards and put Reek in there, like, yeah, th- th- there may be a little dip in defensive production between Tyreek Smith and Kyler Edwards. The The offensive side may be the same, but at least you've got some, some size there together. Um, instead of running three, four guards at the same time. Um, and then a undersized center, like he, he plays much bigger than he is. I'll, I'll give Santos Silva that credit. Like he doesn't play like he's six, yes. eight. Yeah. Like you would expect him to be much bigger. Cause like PV is like six, 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 seven. Like he and Santos Silva are almost the same height, but they play such different games. Um, he's only, you know, an inch or two taller than, than McCuller. But yeah. So let's talk about the game on Monday. Um, you lose in overtime to Oklahoma state by five again. Um, McClung did, did a little bit better offensively, 17 points, uh, in 39 minutes, Santos Silva, eight McCuller had 12. Shannon led the team with 18 points. You love to see Shannon scoring points. What you don't love to see Shannon doing is shooting so many damn three threes. Um, dude was, let's check this out. Shannon one for five from three. You know who else? Including one that I think bounced off the top of the backboard in the last few seconds. Well, so McClung also had a a three that did that. And he also went one for five. I'm okay. I'm, I'm more okay seeing McClung take five, three pointers than I am Shannon taking five. I am too. Shannon going one for five is almost a given where McClung going one for five is, um, the exception. Shoot or shoot. Just got to keep shooting. But like Shannon, that's not your game, man. Uh, so I don't know. I, regardless, but I th- but Shannon's hurt. I, I, Shannon's hurt. We don't know exactly what it is. You could just tell something's not quite right. He hardly played against Kansas. Well, I mean, he ended up playing 15 minutes, but I think he only played two in the first half, something like that. Uh, I think that happened the the week before too. If I'm if I'm not misremembering, and and Sounds then right. Burton was also out. Yeah, uh, he missed the, the game Monday. Yeah, he missed Monday. So, I mean, I'm not saying Burton comes in, hey, Tech's gonna, Tech would have won, but I think he would have made a difference because he can come in and provide a, a, a spark um, offensively. Yeah. Um, Shannon played 38. Like, a lot of people played a lot of minutes. 
Well, PB played 16, which is kind of strange. Like he only got a, five more minutes than Nandolny did. Well, and, he got into foul trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got four fouls in 16 minutes. Yeah. Um, you look at other guys that had four fouls. McClung had four. He played 39 minutes. Santo Silva had four in 32 minutes. McCuller had four in 37. Um, well, McClung only had two till overtime. Then they called two on him in the first minute. Stop it. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm trying I to bait you here. You're trying to bait me. And then uh, Cade Cunningham had four, and I guess that's, that's how we'll get into it. Cade Cunningham you picks... time you? No, no. I'm going to go over my 30 seconds. I, I can feel it. Cade Cunningham picks up his fourth foul with 16 and a half minutes, at least between 16 and a half and 17 minutes left in the game. In this second half. Sorry. So he picked up four fouls in roughly 23 minutes of game time. He then goes 22 minutes without committing another foul. Well, to be fair, I think he sat for maybe six of those minutes. Okay. Maybe seven. Do you know the foul disparity that occurred following Cade Cunningham picking up his fourth foul? I'm I'm aware I'm aware of a disparity. It was like 16 to two to finish the game in 22 minutes. Oklahoma state fell twice. I call bullshit. <laughs> okay. The, the one thing I'll point out, the one thing I will point out um, aside from the, cause we've talked about this before uh, the free throw disparity, you know, 32 free throws, attempted for Oklahoma state versus 12 for tech. Sure. Part of that could be said for tech was settling a little bit. Beard even admitted that. Well, I think he admitted that to not get a fine because right, but then he did go the, in and he, he kind of vaguely addressed it in another way after he said that. But because the, the way it was, the only thing I, sorry, I, the, I wanted to point out, the only thing I wanted to point out was something I pointed out on Twitter too. So sorry, everybody all seven of y'all who follow me on Twitter, but McClung who has a game where he, he draws a lot of contact people, um, you know, driving to the basket, jump shots in the lane, 15 footers, whatever he draws contact. Our boy, Mac McClung shot two free throws. Do you know when that was Spencer? Six minutes into the game. So our boy, managed to somehow coax the most perfect defense out of Oklahoma state for the remaining. What, what does that turn out to be? 34 plus overtime minutes of the game. So 39 minutes, almost a full game. He, he was not fouled while in the act of shooting and he shot 16 times. So uh, it's just amazing to me that Oklahoma state was able to really just key in on uh, the best free throw shooter on the team and never foul him. Yeah. On, on 15 of his 16 shot attempts, he was defended perfectly. Yes. That's without a doubt. I call that's bullshit. what the, that's what those numbers show me. <laughs> so I guess a couple more things. One, if you know an official's name, he's, he's a terrible, he's doing just a bad job. Doug sermons. No idea what's happening. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris level. The dude was yelling this afternoon on the radio. He's like, <laughs> he sucks. 
He should not be officiating games. He sucks. I was like, dude, I'm here for it. Um, and, and he gave him like, you know, he, he, I want to say the bit of the doubt. He said, usually sermons has been a, a, a really good official until this year. And he's like, and something's going on. And he's like, he's, he's, he officiates in so many different leagues. Like, I don't understand how he paid so well to be this bad. Um, and he took the, the technical on the Dolny and said, this is an example of what's going on that should not be going on as an official. You're there to, to enforce the rules, but also to deescalate situations before they get out of hand. That technical he felt that he called on the Dolny. He was waiting to call it because there was a, basically a, a fist fight going on for the ball between mm-hmm. the Dolny and an Oklahoma state player, the wrestling match ball, like both players hit the floor. They're scrambling for it. Um, ball goes out on Oklahoma state. He calls it out on the Dolny. The Dolny re- reacts poorly. He gets up. He's frustrated. Yes. But in the five to seven seconds before the technical, there were at least there, there were a handful of times sermons who was five feet away could have and should have called a foul on either player on somebody to de-escalate, yes. like to stop it right then before it got out of hand. Yes. So tempers flared. Nadolna got up. He, I don't know if he said something or if he just looked at, at sermons and like with just, you know, the wrong face on or what gets called for a technical. It's like, Dude, you're, you let this situation get out of hand. You basically baited a player into fighting with you and then teed him up. Um, and that was not long after Cade Cunningham picked up his fourth foul and, and went to the bench. And again, I'm, I'm going to go back to, to Chris level. He said, like at that point, like the game was called differently. Like, in a, like, yes, absolutely. And, there there and, was like 14 fouls in the first half. And then he gets, I mean, Texas Tech finishes the game with 24 fouls to, to Oklahoma State's 13. May, I, I, I have a hard time believing it was that bad. But also 32 free throws to 12. 20 more free throws. Um, and, and here's the point I, I was, I was kind of hinting at the, at the beginning of the episode when I said you can't really separate bad officiating from how you as a team play the game because of how much the officials affected the game. Like, you know, there's a time in the game when Fran Frischilla says, you just, you, like, it may not be right, but you kind of have to adjust the way you're playing to the officials that night, that game, right? If they're playing, if they're playing things really loose, then you go out, you have fun, you, you be aggressive safely. But if they're calling things really tight, you kind of have to back off a little bit. Well, if they're flip flopping back and forth possession or by team, or if the superstar gets sent to the bench because he's got four fouls with 17 minutes left in the game, like you, it just changes the way that you play the game to where you're trying to play your opponent, the way that the officials want you to play. And you're guessing then. Well, that was another, another thing was the charges. Just completely. There was a charge in the first half that got called a block. It's like, 
And they even went back and said it like, he, well, he was inside the circle and the replays are like, he was like He's two feet outside not. the circle and Cunningham yes. just bowled him over whoever it was. Yeah. But the, there were the charge the, the charges thing, were inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and then yes, I get what you're saying, but also man, Tech's got to make a field goal in almost four minutes. Yeah, you, you ended they, the game. They can't allow a 15 to zero run. I mean, and that was right when Tech was kind of starting to take it over. And that was like you said, that's kind of when the calls started changing. A lot of things happened all at the same time. Tech was up by 11. And the next thing you know, they allow a 15-0 run. Good Lord, guys, <laughs> that just can't happen. Yeah, and then you end the game on a one for eight. Too. Like you ice cold, completely ice cold. So I, and, and I don't, that's what, that's what makes me think this team's kind of reached a breaking point because they've been through too many games like this. They've been through the COVID crap. They've been through all this stuff and they're just kind of like, let's just get this over with. But hopefully like me, they found a little bit of, of hope knowing that, They've got three more chances to get a few more wins. Yeah. So we're, we're running way long here, but let's, let's go through the, the polls and rankings that were updated. Was it today? Yeah. Today, I guess. Uh, yep. The AP poll, Texas Tech drops to 18 from 15. Ken Palm drops him from 19 to 25. Haslametrics dropped from 19 to 20. BPI remains at 10. Yeah. I double check that. Strength of schedule, I guess. Uh, and their 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 luck here, losing a bunch of these really close games. The net rankings drops them from seventeen or from fourteen to seventeen, which is that's a five seed, barely. So you're on that four or five line. Um, you may kind of settle in the five six area. Your schedule, we kind of already talked about it this weekend. You're ho- you're hosting Texas. Um, your your luck rankings after this game drops to 322nd. So from the time that we started tracking this, I think it's dropped 60 or 70 points. Yeah, I think it was 260 something last episode. Yeah. And so then since then <laughs> you went to Lawrence and you went to Stillwater. Yeah. So going to Lawrence in basketball is like going to Austin in football. And then whatever happened Monday, you can just chalk it up to like just bad luck. I guess like here, I figured it out. Your luck ranking is related to how many bad calls you get <laughs> there. It all comes back to officiating. Yes. Um, yeah. So you've got Texas on Saturday, uh, really closely r- ranked matched teams. Um, Very. You, Another nail biters coming. You guys. defeated Sorry. them in Austin and it was a really close game that they, they were able to get a big lead on you. And then you, you Texas tech was able to chip it away. And then McCuller hits that near buzzer beater three, and it was a three. Screw you, refs. Went back and gave him a two in Texas more time. But if you look at the the Ken Palm rankings, Texas Tech 25, Texas 21. The offense, Texas has the edge there uh, by two-ish points per 100 possessions. Um, defense, almost two points per 100 possessions, uh, this time in favor of Texas Tech. Um and then the tempo, Texas tends to run it uh, about three more possessions per game than you do. Texas kind of coming off a similar 
scenario than tech, except they uh, were able to crack one of the wins. Um, their last two games against West Virginia, they lost 82-84. And then just tonight, they beat Kansas in Austin uh, 75-72. So a, a couple of close nail biters again, which is what we're going to see in the Big 12 and get ready to see another one at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Yeah, sorry, I was going through... Um checking our, our questions has the metrics has the, the projection this weekend as a Texas tech victory, uh, a four point win. I'd love to see it. Yes, please. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I'm feel a lot more optimistic about it now. I think, I think it can happen. I think it will happen. I'm willing it to happen. Willing it to happen. So let's do questions. And then what we learned now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm on Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So, I guess the, the, the one I'll start off with first is um, a Twitter account that goes by the handle of Fart Bryles. You can see where this is going. This is Bailey related. Why does this make me laugh? It shouldn't make me laugh. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, and this was just a, a frustrated tweet I, I fired off this afternoon about the um, Big 12 air quotes protecting Baylor and their schedule and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I said, the Big 12's concern with load management for Baylor is a load of crap. They didn't want them to play four games in eight days, but didn't say a peep when Tech was scheduled to play five and ten. Just be transparent. Um he, and he says, yeah, it's not like one of these situations was going to happen directly before the Big 12 tourney with three games in the week, followed by the NCAA, NCAA tourney. Bad take. I was like, my, my my response here is like, no, ours was in the middle of the effing schedule. <laughs> it was February. Like we went, we had more it's games February. to follow up like with no rest and then have to play both the Big 12 and the NCAA tournaments. Whereas Baylor is actively dodging teams. Like Ooh, they, bold. they, they canceled games when neither team had COVID issues. So, um, okay. So I, in, in, in my tweet question or call for questions or whatever, I said, I want to know your thoughts on the, the say the basketball program reactions or thoughts from the, the baseball weekend. And then anything that you want to improve on barbecue smoking wise heading into the spring or summer. So Steven at a Steve nine, eight, nine basketball is a program is still healthy and great. Would it be better if they were winning more games? Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I am tired of losing games that you shouldn't lose and having questions about if that game was officiated fairly this year may not be a deep run, but we'll make the tourney and have remained ranked the entire season without dipping below 20. I don't know about that this week. I mean, we're, we're 18 right now and we lost two after that 18 ranking. So we'll have to see how Saturday goes. Um, two Texas tech fan base needs to step back, breathe and remember that Texas tech doesn't exist in a vacuum and plays in arguably the most competitive conference with top talent. Oh, eight football mentality is taking over again. We're still a program on the rise. He said, which is okay. The program has less than 10 appearances in the round of 32 was still talking about basketball. 
we're improving, but people treat this like an EA NCAA season where they'll rage quit to avoid losing and only accept zero losses. Also, Shannon is injured. It's okay not to win the trophy every year, y'all. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you there, Stephen. That it's, There's a lot of good points there, Stephen. The problem I have, and maybe it, it and maybe it, it's a me problem. It's a Spencer problem. Going into the season, um, I had unreasonable expectations that this team would be better. Uh, and I know part of it was us calling this team as the most talented team Texas Tech has ever had. And then within three games, you lose Joel and Tomboy. And then a couple games later, you lose Namari Burnett, which were some of the higher-ended talent guys on the team that I, I pointed to and said, this is what, why I say they're one of the most talented teams you've seen. Obviously, you still have Shannon and you still had um, PV playing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not sure what kind of impact they would have had. I think Ntombwe would be a, a big-time contributor for you right now. Um, Burnett maybe didn't want to, to be a rotational guard. I don't know. I can't speak for him. I think it's weird that Ntombwe is still at school at Texas Tech. He's still in classes. He didn't go home or anything. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and he's just kind of waiting it out. Um, but yeah, I mean like, so unmet expectations, is that on me for having high expectations or is it on the team for not performing? It's like, I don't know. It, it may be me to be fair. Like, yeah. I, I may have overvalued this team or undervalued the competition in the league. Um, I didn't think Oklahoma was going to be as good as they were. I didn't think Oklahoma state was going to be as good as they were. Um, nobody did. <laughs> so, well, and, and I, I think that the only thing that I am a little concerned with is the, the roster turnover. Uh, we've, we've, we saw beard make it work once. I mean, he's made it work every year. Let, let's, let's be, be fair about that. <laughs> he, he's done very well with the rosters he's, he's generated every year and, and no one's arguing any differently, but I mean, he, he took one to the, the, the Monday night game in April. So huge deal. Um, I think what we're seeing now is that with this much roster turnover, I don't think that's just as fans, we're kind of waking up to the reality of, Oh, well, obviously that's not going to happen every year. <laughs> He's not going to get a brand new roster and, you know, go eight games or however many games deep into the NCAA tournament. I can't do math. So I, I do think there's a lot there that Steven says that, that I'm, a, I'm agreeing with and, you know, something to kind of ch check myself to. I, I think this season could possibly be good for tech in a couple of ways. Cause I know coming in, Oh gosh, now I'm going to sound terrible, but coming in, it was especially early, you know, Shannon might've been a first round draft pick. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. I truly hope it's not because it's, he's injured and that's going to sound very insensitive of me to say um, this, but maybe he's able to come back next year. You know, maybe there's a lot of these guys that come back next year and we're able to see a little bit more growth with the team we currently have, as opposed to, okay, let's shuffle, let's shuffle around seven guys on a 15 man roster and then just see what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, if we're talking about guys for, for next year, like I'm almost at a point where it's like, I don't want to see beard recruit somebody under six, seven. We need, his, we need some big guys. We need some big guys. Um, and big guys that can contribute because we've seen guys that have size be on the team and then leave. You look at uh, 
Josh Mbala, um, Chiwe. Chiwa. I feel like there was somebody else too. That was before Chiwa. Big Russ. Um, anyways, uh, you've got Vlad Golden on your team now. Doesn't play. Um, like, how much would a seven footer that can affect some shots help you out right now? Like, sure. I mean, no, he's not going to go toe to toe with McCormick, but like, does McCormick hit 70% of his shots going up against Golden? Maybe not. Um, yeah. So I don't know, man. That was the only question I saw. Did, did you have anything else? Did, no, that was you, all I saw. Do you too. have any, uh, any barbecue smoking recipes you want to try out and prove on this, this spring? Yes. And I'm actually starting this weekend. I want to make jerk chicken. Nice. Caribbean jerk chicken. I've never made it. Uh, we have some drumsticks in the freezer. I know that's not technically what you're supposed to use. I think you're supposed to basically just use a whole chicken, you know, all the pieces of a chicken or thighs and recorders. But anyway, that's what we have. And so I'm going to go for it. And this time I'm, I watched your guy. I watched a video from your guy from how to barbecue, right? Malcolm Reed. On Twitter. He's fantastic. Anyway, I watched a, his jerk chicken recipe where he makes his own marinade. Uh, but I think for my first attempt, I'm going to use a marinade from the store just to see if we like the flavors. I mean, I will like it. Um, I just want to make sure everyone in the house does. So, so jerk chicken or Caribbean jerk is one of the flavors, non-exclusively spicy flavors. I like to get on my wings to, to mix it up. That is, and you know, I know that this is not <laughs> authentic, but that was my exposure to this was well, that's the Caribbean started, jerk. Yeah. yeah. At Buffalo Wild Wings. I was like, that's, that's, a, that's a really good wing. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, as far, uh, I alternate between that and Asian Zing is, mm-hmm. you know, those are the two that I get. And then usually I get like the hot Buffalo or something. That's a good one. So those are my two go-to flavors that always go. So, um, but then I discovered Caribbean jerk chicken, the actual way they do it and pimento wood and the way they're doing all that kind of stuff. So that's my thing. I want to try to do better is some sort of jerk chicken, maybe even graduate to using chunks of pimento wood and, and, um, you know, know other different methods and stuff. Yeah. Making my own marinade because the one that your guy made, what's his name again? Malcolm Malcolm Reed. One that Malcolm made, uh, it was really easy. It it didn't, I mean, it, it wasn't going to be hard to do, but it was just easier to buy the bottle as oh, opposed sure. to like the four or five things I needed to make the, the marinade in the blender. So what, what do you, what do you got on your so, list of things to perfect? There's another barbecue channel I like to follow and he's more of a, a scientist. Like he likes to test things out and kind of um, tweak and, and, and improve on. He, he's gone to several of the big, barbecue restaurants or barbecue. Yeah. I'll just call them restaurants around the country, like Franklin's in Austin and pecan lodge on the kind of stuff. And he's kind of like, he's kind of picking up on like what they're doing. What makes a Franklin barbecue, a Franklin brisket so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I may have found something out. They'll never confirm it. He's like, I think what they do is when they go to wrap the brisket is that they, they will soak the butcher paper in rendered beef tallow get out of town i was like that's not bad 
he then goes on to test it. And he said, from the videos I've seen of them, when like, you know, the, the guy that, that worked at the, the restaurant for 24 hours for vanity or Esquire, one of those weird things. Anyways, he said he accidentally poked a hole in the wrap and just like juices were just gushed out of it. He's like, that's more than you would expect if you had just wrapped the brisket dry. Um, and then when he, when he unwrapped it after he had rested, he's like, he looked at the two side by side. He's like, this looks like a Franklin barbecue brisket. It was still glistening because the paper had been soaked in the rendered beef tallow, which you can buy on Amazon for, you know, a big tub of it for not very much. Um, and the one next to it that he did without it, he's like, this one looks dry or drier on the surface. It was like, maybe that's it. It's like, I want to try this. <laughs> yes. I want um, you to try this. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to source some beef tallow. I'm going to render it down and soak the butcher paper. And next time I, tr- I try a brisket and see how that works out. You could make it yourself if you want, cause you're going to trim the brisket anyway. I could. Um, if so I could have render a bunch it down, of fat there, yeah. so you could, you could brush it on it. I think I may do that too, because the last couple of times I've made brisket, I've used this, this random guy's method who suggested you brush rendered fat onto the brisket before you season it. And so I've taken, you know, a few strips of that beef fat and thrown it in the skillet and got some grease going and then brushed my brisket, coated it with salt and pepper, threw it in the fridge overnight. And then I threw it on the, the smoker turned out pretty good, but I may need to keep some of that. Oh, I, I think I may try that too, Spencer, but you, you go first. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try it first. I'm going to send you the link to that, that, that video. <laughs> Please do. That's very important. <laughs> Secret ingredient. Okay. Um, let's, let's wrap this up with what we learned. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So we lost a week to practice little league. My, my, my what we learned is going to be just all about little league. We lost the first week of practice because of the storm last week. Um, so our first team practice was tonight. And let me just say, I'm impressed. Really? We're, we're a lot further along. And tonight, like practice number one went a whole lot better than I was expecting it to go. Granted, we're, I'm, you know, these are seven and eight year old kids. I think we had one player that this was his first time playing, but he didn't even look like he, it was his first time playing. Um, when we, when we drafted, we stacked bats. Like we, we were like in our division in our, um, in this league offense, always going to win out. So we got, we, we heavily weighted our, our draft board towards really strong bats and then peppered in, you know, the best available defender with the best bat basically. But like bats or bats were, were hands down our, our first thing. Um, first practice night went really well. We have practice again Thursday night. We're going to go to indoor batting cages because it's supposed to get cold and maybe wet again. It's like, I'm not losing practice again. Well, because you truly care, you're providing indoor practice facilities. Unlike Texas tech university does for their baseball teams. Yeah. So we're going to do that Thursday night. Um, I liked one of these indoor facilities on Facebook and they posted one of their uh, spring break camps, which it's a nine to noon camp for kids of, of any age, basically. And you basically pay by the day, but you get a bigger discount each consecutive day you go. So it's the first day, it's $40, but you basically cut $5 off each consecutive day you go. So for the week, it's like $175. 
I was like for a half day for 15 hours of baseball instruction with some professionals, 175 doesn't sound that bad. And I was like, that would be going into the week of games that we would start the season. Like I'm heavily considering putting grace in it. Now I don't know if he, if he would like it, which is kind of a big deal because <laughs> if I have to drag him out of bed or fight him every day that week to get him to go, it's going to yeah, be that kind of defeats it. Yeah. But also like he's done that a couple of times when he's decided he didn't want to do something, but we make him go and he ends up having a lot of fun anyways, like karate. He's, he's loving it so far. Um, he, so he, he wanted to start that. And then a couple of days in, he's like, I don't want to do this. And I was like, no, they made us sign a six month commitment. You were going for six months and then we can talk about canceling. Then <laughs> yeah. you will do this for six months. So the league first game. Oh, sorry. First practice. Uh, in warmups, a kid knocked out another kid's tooth tonight. So, that's oh my gosh. Now I texted the mom afterwards. <laughs> you should have led with that. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. This happened to your son. I hope he's all right. Um, she's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't there tonight. I was like, Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> sorry to break the news to you that your, you know, your son's father, husband, whatever he is. I don't know. Didn't tell you yet. And I'm, I don't want to get him in trouble, but they were two of our better players were, were, were warming up and they were standing too close to each other. And one of our coaches walked over to him and was like, Hey guys, you, you know, he was talking to one of the players that like, you need to take a few steps back, you know, as you guys start to warm up and throw harder. But as he's talking to him, the player that gets hit in the face looks up at, at the coach. He's distracted by him. The guy threw the ball, didn't realize the other player was going to look up. Ball hits him like high center chest bounces up into his mouth. Mm. Um, but I was relieved to find, find out from the mom that tooth was already loose. <laughs> so, oh, so it was a baby tooth. It was a baby tooth that got knocked out. That was already loose. I was like, okay, good. I was kind of, <sighs> cause like, I mean, obviously when you pull a tooth or if it's like a traumatic removal of a tooth, there's blood. There was blood coming out of this, this kid's oh, mouth. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do for you. You're, <sighs> it was bad. <laughs> anyway, so first practice went well and a kid lost a tooth got hit in the face. Oh my gosh. I'm excited for it. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know, I was, I was kind of worried. I was, I was kind of worried for you this year. It, it seemed like you were stepping into the unknown, but it's, it seems like you've got, you know, pretty optimistic outlook right now and right now things may go pretty well. Yeah. We'll see <laughs> that, that when, when that first game comes around, we'll, we'll readdress this and see like if my optimism was warranted or if like, no, we're, we're woefully underprepared. So we'll see. Well, the the thing I learned this week is one division is a lot of work. Have you been watching this? No, but I've heard similar things like you can't just jump into this. You got it. Like there's some prep work and yeah, there's it's, it's ongoing. It's continuing education. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who get some CE credits fields that require <laughs> that. Yeah. You, you've got to get some, some professional developmental hours to maintain your one division license. But I'm not going to give any spoilers because um, I have no idea where everybody is, but I think the last episode, I can't remember if there's eight or nine. I know that seven have run. So I don't know if there's eight or nine. Anyway, there's the end of that. It's interesting enough to keep me engaged, but after every episode, especially s- since probably the third or fourth one, I've had to Google something. <laughs> That's and then good. it leads you down a rabbit hole and you're like, Oh God, I don't want to know all this. I just need to know 
vaguely what's going on, but then it just it just keeps going and it keeps going and it's webbing out and it's webbing out and I'm losing interest. I'm losing interest because it's just so much. Oh, well, Oh, this character is this from here and, and they, and this, and this is why this is working. And this is why this actor is playing this character. And this is why this is happening. And you're just like, well, this, it's kind of cool, but I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just so much. I can't, I can't catch up with a hundred years of, of comic book history overnight yeah. and know that, well, in this series in the eighties, it was like this. And, and then in this series in the nineties, it was like this. So what they've done is they've combined the two like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. This so, is work now. This is officially work. That's, I mean, not to that depth and ex- extent, but extent, um, but when we went through and we watched all of the, the Marvel movies and all this, so this, the Star Wars movies, Mandalorian had just come out. Like it was just starting, mm-hmm. but we had just finished Star Wars. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of burned out. Like I'm not ready to do that yet. We haven't started Mandalorian yet. And I was like, oh. oh, we're kind of falling behind. And it's like, I don't know if I can commit to this or all this effort. Cause we don't have a lot of TV time as it is with, um, oh, of course work. Yeah. And then with Grayson being, in activities four nights a week, whether it's oh baseball goodness. or karate, because he needs to, he, they want him at karate twice a week. And we want, we, we're holding practices twice a week. So it's like Monday through Thursday, we're busy every night. Um, and Samantha's working on, on her master's degree. Uh, you know, she's almost two full or a year and a half in now, maybe a year, a year and a half left. Um, so like her nights when she clocks out from work after, you know, she, she works from home clocks out and then goes into school mode. So she's reading, writing papers, responding to stuff online, all this kind of stuff. We don't have a lot of free time. The, the time we spend watching TV, we got like most of a 45 minute episode at lunch, part of a 45 minute episode of something at dinner that we'll finish once we get into bed, but we usually fall asleep <laughs> because we're so <laughs> of tired. Of course, because your day has been packed. So we, 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 at this point, um, you know, we're rewatching psych. Um, but we watch maybe an episode and a half a day. And that's well, the it. good thing about Mandalorian is most of the episodes are 30 minutes. Yeah. So I, I, I may be able to pitch her on that. Um, and then weekends that there's sports games on, or, or there's something going on during the night that, you know, we're not running around and Samantha's not working on school, but I can watch something, but just save it for when baseball's over. Well, yeah, that's my solution to you. Save it for when baseball's over and you know, there's no sports to watch. You're done coaching. Perfect time to queue up the Mandalorian because it'll probably, I think they've debuted both of the seasons in October. So maybe just shoot for hammering out these two seasons before October starts, but there's spinoffs too now. Great. Uh, <laughs> we're falling behind and we're also expecting like one's pretty much standalone season one's pretty standalone, but season two kind of introduces some characters that are going to be spinoffs now. Yeah. We're also expecting uh stranger things eventually to come out with that, that new season. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if that's, that's going to be this summer or this what? fall. Cause they usually come out in the, in the late summer. I thought like right around uh 4th of July, a little bit after that. Uh, well, it was around Halloween, the first few, and then I think the last one they did during the middle of the summer. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I, I just, like I said, I want sports to be fun again. Um, yeah, 
I, I can't, I can't make myself not watch a sports game, a Texas tech game, but I feel like sometimes maybe it would be better for my health. <laughs> um, Probably. I'd have better content on Twitter, but that'll do it for us on the 23 personal podcast. I'm Spencer. That's Michael. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 personnel podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas tech red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 personnel, Spencer at punt suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK and find even more great content over on staking Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.